Is that Darren back there? Great to see you guys, man. Uh, they've been in Yellowstone for like six months or something, and uh, glad they finally made it back home. And uh, great to see you guys. And actually, they've been gone, I think, about three weeks. And I'm real happy about that, man. Glad for people to take vacation and uh, go away and get to feeling better. And let's come back and hit the ground running again. Thank the Lord. Well, I'm going to share some little bit of news with you tonight. I've decided to uh, put the family series I was, have been doing on Wednesday night on hold. And there's a reason for that. A lot of the folks that I wanted to be a part of that haven't been a part of it. And then the people that are here, a lot of you are single. And it's not really all that applicable. And, uh, but I am willing to do this. Um, I'll show up on a Sunday night, say once a month, and teach a family series. But I'll need at least five families to agree to come on a Sunday night. And I'll go through. I have months of material that will help the family. I'm not nearly done with the marriage part of it. Um, have four or five more studies on that. Um, I even have a, a, a study on the marriage vows of what you actually said when you got married that you probably have forgotten by now and that you've not paid a whole lot of attention to. And then I have a lot of material on parenting and what have you. So if I have, uh, I don't know, four or five families that would like to continue it, say one Sunday night a month, um, I'll be happy to. But you're going to have to be consistent. Don't say you will if you're not. Uh, so uh, if you'll let me know, shoot me a text or whatever. If I can get six or eight families, 10, 12 families, 20 families want to go through it, uh, it'll be worth it to, to come up, meet you up here, and go through it. I'd like for you folks to remember the Wheelers in prayer tonight. Uh, they're having, they've been having a very difficult past several weeks uh, over losing their son, Josh. Most of you don't know him. I met him twice. Um, but they are having a real difficult time. And if we could remember them in prayer. And uh, when you see them, don't ask questions about that but talk about other things that would bring some joy and peace and comfort into their life. When you talk about that, you resurrect all that again, all those feelings and memories. Don't ask them a bunch of questions, but just encourage them by just being friendly and kind and talk about anything and everything but that, and it'll be an encouragement to them. I want to read to you tonight out of Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24. Uh, I may treat here a little bit tonight. Uh, anybody appreciate the blessing of the Lord this past Sunday? Uh, anybody got your stump? Thank the Lord. And uh, I want to I give you some material tonight that will walk hand in hand with that, but will also pave the way for what I believe God wants me to do this coming Sunday. So I know a bunch of you folks are going on vacation. I've tried to persuade one or two to wait till Monday, but... You know, whatever, but it is hot and rich around here on Sunday. Not a good time to be missing church. If you're in town, you need to be here. Don't depend on live stream. It's okay, but it's not going to do the same thing. Numbers fourteen twenty four. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit. Everybody say another spirit. 
because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully. This is God speaking. Him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. The New International Version says it this way, But because my servant Caleb had a, has a different spirit, not another spirit, but a different spirit. Everybody say different spirit. Follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. I want to, I want to present to you tonight some material. I, just, I want to title this, A Different Attitude. A Different Attitude. The personal events of my life this year has not given to me a bad attitude, but a different attitude. I'm having to literally reacclimate to my own self. I had a conversation with somebody today about that. I'm having to reacclimate to myself. There's just things in my head, different perspectives, different points of view. And so I can truthfully say tonight that as a result of just personal things this year, personal events, uh, I believe that God is instrumental in it. Um, but it has given me a different attitude. And that attitude is simply this. I am more determined than ever to possess what God has promised me. I don't say that generically, but I am more determined right now than I've ever been. So let's begin tonight and talk about a different attitude. You'll never, you'll never have a problem-free life. Never. Preach to you about that Sunday. Lord willing, I want to talk to you about that this coming Sunday. I can't wait for this coming Sunday. I just want to fast forward and get through all the nonsense of the week and let's get to where it really counts. But you'll never have a problem-free life. You'll never drift off to sleep on the wings of this thought. My day came and went with no problems in this world. The headline will never appear on the front page of our local newspaper and say, Today, we only have good news to report. You might be elected president of Russia. You may discover a way to email pizza and become a multi-billionaire. You might be called out of the stands to pinch hit when your favorite baseball team is down to its final out in the World Series, and you'll hit a home run and your face will appear on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Pigs might fly, kangaroos may swim, your husband may finally surrender to you all of your wants and needs and agree with everything you say and admit that you're always right. And wives may quit buying purses and shoes and stop asking thousands of questions. It's not likely, but it is possible. But a problem-free, no-hassle, blue-sky existence of smooth sailing, don't hold your breath. Problems happen, and problems happen to everybody. Problems happen to rich people. 
Problems happen to the really annoying skinny people. Problems happen to educated people and even sophisticated people. Problems happen to retired people and single people and spiritual people and secular people. All people have problems, but not all people see their problems the same way. Some people are overcome by problems, and other people overcome their problems. Some people are left bitter by problems, and other people are left better because of problems. Some people face their challenges with fear, and others face their challenges with faith. And this is what Caleb of the Old Testament did. He faced his challenge with faith. His story, Caleb's story, really stands out in the book of Joshua and in the entire Bible, for that matter, because his faith did. His faith was outstanding. When Moses sent out 12 spies from the wilderness to spy out the promised land, Caleb was among those 12, as you know, and he, along with Joshua, believed that the land could be taken over by them. But since the other 10 didn't believe that, that whole crew, the whole bunch, I've heard anywhere from 900,000 to 5 million of them. I don't know how many it was, but it was a lot. They ended up wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. However, God took note of Caleb's faith, of Caleb's courage. The man's convictions were so striking that it would make the average modern-day saint blush. God said about Caleb, My servant Caleb has a different spirit, and he follows me wholeheartedly. How would you like to have those words from God himself on your next letter of recommendation? How would you like to have those words from God himself on your tombstone? So what type of spirit or attitude catches the eye of God that he qualifies it as a different spirit? What made Caleb's attitude different from everyone else? The answer begins to emerge during the distribution of what was to become their promised land or the land of Canaan. On that day, the Hebrew, every Hebrew tribe was represented. All 12 Hebrew tribes was represented. So all the priests, all the soldiers, and all the people gathered near that little tabernacle. Eleazar the priest had two urns, two vases. One of the vases contained the names of every tribe And the other urn or vase had the list of the land parcels as to how the land of promise, the land of Canaan, would be broken up. But before the people received their inheritance. Now keep in mind, God had made this promise to his people many years ago with Abraham. They're at that point. This is Christmas morning. This is is their birthday, if you will. The priest is fixing to pull a tribe, a name of a tribe out of the the vase. He's going to pull a parcel of land out of the other vase. And whatever he draws, that's what that tribe gets. 
This is Christmas Day for these people. They have waited years for this moment. And just as the priest is about to put his hand in the urn, God says, stop, and says this. In Joshua 14, 6, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, skipping on down, said unto him, unto Joshua, You know the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me, in Kadesh Barnea. We were in Kadesh Barnea. God spoke to Moses and he made me a promise. Now, I'm seeing Caleb as a sturdy man with sinewy muscle, a lean, wiry man. Caleb, gray-headed, great-hearted, steps forward. He has a spring in his step, a sparkle in his eye, and a promise to collect. And says to Joshua, do you remember what Moses told you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea? I'm sure Joshua looked back at him and said, wow, Kadesh Barnea. You talk about a blast from the past. And Joshua, that stirred up a 45-year-old memory. In our calendar today, I would have been 16 Some of you, a lot of you here tonight, would not even have been born. That's where they were when Moses sent out the twelve spies. And that's where they were when Moses heard two different reports upon their return. All twelve men, all twelve spies agreed on the value of of the land of Canaan, the land of promise. The Bible said it flowed with milk and honey. What that phrase means is it is used to express the abundance of pure means of enjoyment. That's what it means. Their lives have been tried and tested from every angle you could imagine. On their journey that began with Abraham through 400 years in Egypt, being released from Egypt now 40 years in the wilderness, and here they are. It's Christmas morning. The promise is about to be fulfilled right in front of their face. But Joshua steps up and says, wait a minute. And reminds, or Caleb rather says, wait a minute, Joshua, you remember. So let's rewind and go back to 40 years prior, 45 years prior. All the men agreed that it was a land of value. All 12 men agreed on the description of the people in the city. It was large and it was fortified. But only Joshua and Caleb believed that the land could be overtaken by that raggedy bunch of Jewish people. I'm going to read to you tonight out of the Bible. I'm going to read carefully the words that Caleb spoke to Joshua at the end of this 45-year campaign. See if you can notice what was different about Caleb's spirit or attitude after waiting 45 years for this moment. In Joshua 14, verse 6, I'm going to give you a very obvious hint about what shows Caleb's different attitude, okay? 
Then the children of Judah came up unto Joshua and Gilgal, uh, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenezite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day eighty-five years old. Yet, as yet, I am as strong this day as I was the day that Moses sent me to spy out the land. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. For war both to go out and to come in. Therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou hast heard in that day how the Anakins were there and the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Anybody have any idea what was on his mind? Who? Oh y'all caught that? It may be real obvious but... Everything Joshua said in this whole presentation surrounding his promise, the Lord was in the middle of it. The Lord this, the Lord that, the Lord this, the Lord that. Did y'all get that? It, he said it nine times. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. For each one of the fruit of the Spirit, for each one of the gift of the Spirit, nine references to the Lord. Who was on Caleb's mind? The Lord. Who was in Caleb's heart? The Lord. What, or more appropriately, who caused him to have a different spirit or a different attitude? Caleb had a God-centered mind. This man, listen to pastor tonight. This man lived like this for 45 years. Some of us have trouble living like that for 45 minutes. I'm sorry. Hello? Did did, did any... So what did he do? Caleb obviously could not keep his eye on his mountain, right? They were in battle all over that. He just couldn't sit there for 45 years every day and just stare at that mountain and say, one day it's going to be mine, one day it's going to be mine. So when he couldn't keep his eye on the promise, he kept his eye on the promise maker. I'm sorry, I... Did I say that okay? We have a hard time. Peter had a hard time keeping his eye on Jesus for probably 45 seconds if the truth is known. And every little thing that comes along gets us separated from our vision and what we believe God wants us to possess. He kept his eye, Caleb kept his eye on the mountain mover, more importantly and applicable here, the mountain giver. So when he couldn't keep his eye on his promise, (laughs) he kept his eye on the one that made the promise. Is anybody hearing me tonight? Y'all still got your stump? If you wasn't here last Sunday, you need to watch a podcast. 
That's your promise. I'm going to jump back into that, but in a whole different another way Sunday, Lord willing. So what about you? What emphasis would a transcript of your mind over the past years reveal? How many times have you given up on God's promise? How many times have you thought about the Lord versus the problem? How many times have you thought about God and kept Him the focal point of your life instead of the hurt or the bitterness or the lack of forgiveness or jealousy or pride or whatever it is, a bad spirit, whatever it is? You remember one of our presidents said one time, it's the economy, stupid? We, we keep our focus on that sometimes or sometimes it's the marriage or sometimes it's the kids or sometimes it's my boss or a lack of job or having too much work or it's because of where I live or where I went to school and on and on it goes. Or we're all loud and proud when we can say, look what I did, y'all, until it all goes wrong and then it's someone else's fault usually the spouse or the parents or the church or the pastor, and then it fans out from there. Y'all remember the PLO from the 80s? The Palestine Liberation Organization. Y'all remember the PLO? Okay, that's a question that... Four or five. I remember them back in the 80s, and boy, they were just a thorn in Israel's flesh, and, and everybody called them the PLO. They were the Palestinian... Liberation Organization. Forgot the name of their leader. If somebody said it, I'd recognize it immediately. Yasser Arafat. Uh, the PLO. I have a different meaning of PLO. I like to call it promised land occupiers. That when you get there, you never leave. And I'm going to fight for my possession. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. That's what Caleb did. I, there, there was two tribes that said, I'll go there and help y'all fight, but we're going to cross back over Jordan. Gad was one of them. Caleb didn't do that. He was of the tribe of Judah. When they got there, buddy, he said, I'm staying. And I'm going to stay here, and I'm going to worship, and I'm going to fight until I get my promise. And he did that. He followed the Lord completely for 45 years. He became a promised land occupier. He did not deny the presence of problems. The promised land is fraught with giants. It has Jerichos with massive walls. It has AIs that have the little things that keeps us tripped up all the time. But he immersed his mind with God-based, God-centered thoughts. And he did it consistently for 45 years years there's folks here tonight i'd be happy for you to go 45 days if you just stay keep a god focus for 45 days just 45 days how about 45 months can you go that long or do you get just beset over every little thing that happens in your life anybody hearing me tonight I'm trying to help somebody I'd like for you to imagine I'm holding up here two cooking bowls. I almost brought two of them, and I didn't. I was going to play a pretty horrible trick on somebody, but I didn't. But imagine one contains fresh, clean water, and the other is full of battery acid. Y'all got that? Take an apple, cut it in half, place one half of that apple in the clean water, and place the other in the bowl of battery acid. 
leave each one in each respective bowl for five minutes and take them both out, which one would you eat? It's not a real hard question. It's not even a trick question. I'd eat the one that came out of the water if it was me. Consider your mind as the apple. The clean, pure water is God. Your problems are the battery acid. If you marinate your mind in your problems, they will eventually corrode and corrupt your mind. But thoughts of God, the word of God, the promises of God will preserve your spirit or attitude. Caleb was different. He had a different attitude because he soaked his mind in God. The psalmist showed us how to do that when he asked in Psalm 42, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? He was sad. He was discouraged. The struggles and problems of life were about to pull him under and claim another victim. But just at the right time, the writer made this decision. He said, My hope, I hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. Therefore will I remember thee. The the resolve is in these words, I shall yet and I will remember. I'm going to stay immersed in what God said. I'm going to stay immersed in what God promised. The writer made a deliberate decision to treat his own downcast soul and mind with thoughts of God. Everywhere I go, he said, I will remember the Lord. So in your case, the verse could read from the ICU at the hospital to the cemetery. I'm going to keep a focus on God. From the employment line back home to unpaid bills and a very unhappy spouse, I'm going to keep my heart and mind on the Lord. From the courtroom when it didn't go my way, I'm going to keep my eye and my mind on the Lord. You can fill in the blank. Caleb's life was burdened with problems. It was war and battle every day. And sometimes you feel like you're gaining ground and other times you're losing ground. His whole life was fraught with that. But he kept his mind on God. I know this is simple. But the point, and and what is amazing to me, is he did this for 45 years. He didn't have a nice, cushy church to go to. He wasn't filled with the power of the Holy Ghost either. So, while you're waiting for God to fulfill promises in your life, let me ask you a question. When you have waited what you feel like is a sufficient amount of time and you're beginning to assume it's not going to work? Have you waited for at least, have you waited at least 45 years for God to do what he said he was going to do? There's nothing easy about this, folks. Troubles pounce on us like the rain from a thunderstorm. Finding God among the billows will demand every bit of discipline you can muster, but the result is worth the strain. Besides, Do you really want to meditate on your misery? Unfortunately, for some folks here tonight, the answer is yes. I know that because when I approach you, you share it with me. (laughs) Buddy, I get more information from you folks about body parts and stuff that comes out of the body. I get all that information, everything. I didn't even ask. I don't want to know. I recently got a, a, a very, it's the word I'm looking for here, a very personal and private health diagnosis on someone I don't even know. Never met the person, but heard all about their insides and stuff that, I just wish y'all could say, 
I'm just going to the doctor. I don't need to know why, and I don't need to know what all he did when he got there. Quit telling me all of that. I don't need your misery. I have enough of my own. Well, Pastor, you don't care about our problems. I do care about your problems. I just don't need to know all the details. A headline would be fine. I'm going to the doctor. It don't look good. That's all you got to say. You don't have to say what don't look good. Anybody feel me here tonight? No pun intended. Y'all smell what I'm stepping in? Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Will reciting your problems over and over to yourself and to everyone else make you a better person? No, it will not. But changing your mindset about your problems will. And that's what set Caleb apart and gave him a different attitude. So stop allowing yourself to be agitated and disturbed by all of this stuff. Instead, immerse your mind in God thoughts. When troubles come our way, we can be stressed and upset and we can trust God or we can trust God. Caleb could have cursed God. He didn't deserve the wilderness, did he? He came back saying, hallelujah to God. Man, I shouted and danced and did a war hoop and gave four people a high five. And I, I mean, I gave liberally in the offering and everything. And now I'm cursed to wander around with these rebellious idiots for the next 40 years. And what did I do? But that wasn't his attitude. He kept high-fiving everybody in the wilderness. And God remembered that. I have a feeling there's a lot of things that God would like to forget. But there's some things he'll never forget. He didn't deserve the wilderness. Caleb had to put his dream on hold for some four decades. Still, he didn't complain or grow sour. When the time came for him to inherit his property, he stepped forward with a God-drenched mind to receive it. He didn't have to do any praying and fasting and pray through and repent and repent and change churches three or four times and find the right this and the right that. When his, he was ready to receive his promise, he was ready to receive his promise. Do y'all get that? He didn't have to do 21 days of sacrifice. He was ready. He was ready the day it was promised to him. And he maintained that attitude for 45 years. The Bible said in Colossians, Paul said, set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. The Amplified Version said, set your mind and keep them on what is above, that is higher things. When giants are in the land and doubts swarm your mind, turn your thoughts heavenward and Godward. Your best thoughts are God thoughts. He is above all the mess and confusion. The psalmist said that he is the most high over all the earth. Exodus 15 says, Who is like thee, like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? The psalmist said, For who in heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? Isaiah said, And one cried unto another and said, Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. God is not just holy. He's not just holy, holy. He's holy, holy, holy. And he is holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, or completely unlike us. 
Pain doesn't plague God. Economy doesn't phase God. Weather doesn't, doesn't disturb God. Diseases doesn't infect God. Death doesn't claim Him. Paul said in Ephesians, Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us. So stare at the mountain less and the mountain mover more. Ponder the holiness of God. Let His splendor stun you and inspire you. And turn a deaf ear to doubters. Ignore the naysayers. Cover your ears with the, when the pessimists crow. People have a right to say what they want to say. But you have a right not to listen to it. Just as because someone sings the blues doesn't mean you have to join in the chorus. Caleb and Joshua were outnumbered ten to two. But they still believed in God's power. And they ended up being right. Caleb chose to ignore the ten doubters and believe one God. So let's take our cue from Caleb. Disregard the lethal disbelief of cynics, which could be your spouse, your kids, your parents, your best friend, your fellow churchgoer. There's no sanction for rudeness or isolation. When people express their sincere struggles or questions, do your best to help them. But some folks do not want to be helped. And some do not really want to help you either help you either it's the job's comforter mentality let me come over and comfort you job and tell you why god cursed you with this because you're a horrible sinner and you're a wretch and you're this and you're that people don't want to help you sometimes they want to bring you down to where they are they prefer the wilderness they traffic in misery they manufacture unhappiness and they spurn growth they'd rather pull you down than to allow you to pull them up don't let people do that I've tried to help people. There's people here tonight who tried to help pull you up out of stuff, pull you up. You don't want to. So I'll quit trying. Move on to somebody else. It's up to you. You can live there if you want in your misery and all of that, but I'm not. Don't let people do that to you. Don't larder with vultures. They eat death and will vomit it on anyone who will listen. So if I can be very crude here tonight, don't let people puke on you. That'd make a real great, that'd make a great bumper sticker. <laughs> Caleb didn't. He filled his mind with faith and took on a God-sized challenge. And when Moses sent Caleb to spy out the land, he saw something that troubled him. The town of Hebron. Now you know why he wants his mountain. This particular mountain. It had the town of Hebron in it. Hebron had a special spot in the history of the Hebrews. It was the only piece of land that Abraham ever owned. Abraham buried his wife there. He was buried there. So was Isaac, Rebekah, and Jacob. Hebron to Caleb was a sacred site. It was something worth fighting for. But on that day that Caleb saw it, the holy hill was inhabited by unholy people. And this occupation bothered Caleb to see the burial site of Abraham disrespected and disregarded. And it was more than he could take. So Caleb asked Moses for Hebron. Moses, Caleb asked Moses for a mountain. He didn't ask for Jerusalem perched on top of Mount Moriah. Caleb didn't ask for the valley of Eshgal where grapes grew as large as plums. He spoke not of Jericho nor Jordan. He wanted Hebron. Hebron beneath whose oaks where Abraham slept, whose soil had known the visitation of angels, whose earth entombed the holiest family. Caleb, the man with a different spirit, had a secret desire. Just give Hebron to me and I'll take care of it and I'll preserve it. 
Moses took the request to God and God gave the answer and Caleb was given the land. And 45 years later, the 85-year-old soldier was ready to inherit Hebron. Give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. So the last sighting of Caleb had him turning his face toward Hebron (coughs) where he did what he promised he would do. He chased the enemy away and he reclaimed the city. Caleb wanted to do something great for God and his people and he lived with a higher call. He lived with a different spirit, a different attitude. How high is the call? How high is your spirit or attitude? What is your perspective like? Maybe the reason your problems feel so great is because your cause is too small. Maybe you need to set your mind on a holy cause. If your problems here tonight are great, is it because your cause is too small? When your cause is great, your problems begin to shrink. So I'm asking all of you here tonight, for your family, for yourself, for your church, do you have a holy kingdom-based cause? Do you have a faith worth preserving, a mission worth fighting for? I'm going to ask you tonight to ask God to give you a Hebron. Your Hebron may be your stump. Your stump may be your Hebron. It might be holy ground. It might be that place where God can commune with you like he can no other place. That's why he didn't take it away from you. It's a place where you and him could connect. Hebron was a place where he felt Caleb could connect with God. So God gave him that place. There's always a cause in the kingdom. There's always a friend or neighbor that needs encouragement. There's always a family that needs to be fed. There's a class to teach. There's some senior citizen to encourage. It's really better to give than to receive, right? In the kingdom, we gain by giving, not receiving. We grow by helping, not hurting. We advance by serving, not demanding. Want to see your troubles evaporate? Why don't you help somebody else with theirs? We'll all face problems. But do you have to face them in the same way? Instead, immerse your mind in God thoughts. Turn a deaf ear to doubters. Set your mind on a holy cause. And once you find your mountain, no giant will stop you. No age will disqualify you. No problem will defeat you. After all, you and Caleb have something in common, and that is a different spirit. Because you believe that you are a promised land occupier. When Brother Dave was talking to you tonight at the beginning of the service about what happened in their home Sunday night, I was amazed at his response to that. I shouldn't have been amazed. But um, he didn't call 43 people on the phone and say, oh, no, I don't know what we're going to do. You know, Dawson's running fever and it's looking horrible and it's, you know, it's not going down fast enough. No, he, he didn't do that because he seized on a promise and he kept his focus on the promise keeper he didn't stay focused on the problem but the problem solver lord willing i plan to share with you a miracle that happened recently that's amazing this coming sunday and it happened to someone who is a promised land occupier there were things that they wanted to accomplish for god and god's let that happen So I'm going to ask you tonight, do you have the same old humdrum spirit of our world, of our society where everything's negative and everything's falling apart and 
I mean, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, as the old saying goes, and nobody loves God, nobody, everybody's giving up, and everybody's quitting. you have that attitude? Or did God speak to you at some point in the past, and you said, you know what? I've got all kind of stuff going on in my life and mind right now, but I'm going to keep my focus on what God's promised me, and I'm not going to let anything stop me. Does anybody have a different spirit tonight? Anybody with a different attitude tonight? Grab a hold of what Caleb did and see what it'll do for you. God bless you tonight. It's great to see all of you here tonight. Thank you for being here. And uh, if you came for the family stuff, I'm sorry that didn't happen. But um, I'm glad you got what you got instead. Hope you liked what you got. And uh, if you're interested in that, let me know and we'll see what we can do about it. God bless you. You're dismissed from where you're seated. Get up and talk around to people. Talk, talk to people. Get up and move around the building. Not just three rows in front and back, but meet people and talk to people. God bless you. You're dismissed.